Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Jenny Swagger, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between a rural and urban America. We're not even 30 seconds into this. And you have bells going off, Jenny. What's going on? Um, is that your alarm clock to remind you that rural route starts now? Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> Every Thursday, we work at hard at bridging that gap between food producers and food consumers. And my partner in crime now on Thursdays finds us hmm, what we'll call an urban mom. How'd you do this week? Um, Actually, I got to talk to a lot of moms, a lot of urban moms, but not just moms. I'm reaching out to... I'm not following directions, I guess, very well, but I'm reaching out to other folks who are Oh, not all who are surprised about that, raise your hand. <laughs> um no, I mean it's it's um it's an interesting world and for years I thought I had failed in advocating or whatever because people would been be talking to friends who are not from the farm and they would be like, Oh, right. did Jenny tell you this? Did Jenny tell you that? Well, no, not really. And through this experience, I am learning that actually that was a good thing because that meant that I wasn't concentrating on selling farming or selling ranching or selling agriculture. I, have always, I mean, these are people who I genuinely have become friends with that I like spending right. time with and talking with. And, um, yeah, that was kind of a revelation I had yesterday about everything. So, um, next week we have a, another mom who used to be a news broadcaster, small world. She is in St. Louis now, but come to find out she used to be the um, news anchor at WICS in Springfield, Illinois. Oh, really? Yeah. So she's got two little ones and has um, one at the doctor's office this morning. So, but she will be joining us next Thursday. Well, actually, I'm bursting at the seams with um, uh, anxiety. Ah, anxiety is not the right word. Grief. Emotions. How about that? Because mm. so much of what people don't know. And by the way, I've, I've spent some time in the last six hours researching and getting my data right because I, I just think this is a big deal. And now I've talked for like a minute and a half and haven't really said anything other than I'm ready for this conversation, Jenny Swaggart. As, as um, I I think if we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are. Is anybody in particularly food, animal, agriculture talking about anything else in the last three days? There's only one topic in all of meat production in the last three days. I I don't know because I stayed off of social yesterday because I was so um, aggravated about the day before and the Burger King. That's not, the word not, I was looking for a little wait. bit ago. Aggravated. Good word. Yeah. Um, morning, Danny. 
I was not necessarily aggravated at the commercial itself. I was aggravated right. at, I mean, it's, it's goofy. It's dorky. It's not something I would participate in as someone in that area. Um, I would have gone a way different direction first by actually using research that is actually from the University of California, Davis, not a trial or research that's been inconclusive that hasn't even been published, let alone peer reviewed. I think that's where I would have probably started. And then, you know, my aggravation con continued. I don't know if you remember years ago, um, FFA was being attacked by one of our favorite animal rights activist groups. And the agriculture community just went freaking insane in attacking that group. I don't even want to say the name because I don't want to give them Yeah, traction. I'm the same way. Well, I'm the same way, Jenny. I don't want to name the restaurant chain that we're talking about because I don't want to contribute to their publicity. I don't exactly. want to name that animal rights organization because I don't want to give them any exactly. more exposure. Because we in agriculture, we get an F when it comes to not doing other people's PR work against us. Exactly. And the PETA. Nice God. job. Way to go. Nice. Beep. The pita bread that I had this morning was really tasty. Did I mention that earlier? I think I forgot to mention that earlier. So that organization um, had FFA kind of in a place where they didn't know how to respond, not necessarily because of that organization, but because of what the rest of the ad community was doing. And so right. analytics were looked at and it was determined that, I don't remember the percentage, but it was ridiculously high, the amount of traffic that the ad community gave that, that it would not have had, had they just been quiet. And the same thing has happened here. If you go and you look at comments all over the place that are from people who are not from the farm, and ranch area, mm -hmm. the general public thinks it's retarded. <laughs> I shouldn't say that word. I'm sorry. They think that it is ridiculous and makes no sense at all. So they've kind of even missed the whole point behind the commercial. But I will tell you this, I have inside information that I know that that organization strategically planted that attack against the FFA knowing that the ag community would respond as it did. Right. Well, history repeats itself. Oh, it does. I want to write a so, book. I need to write a book. Yeah. That's about the sixth book I need to be a part of writing, but that's beside the point. I think that we have a perfect analogy, and I'm going to try to bring this all full circle without being in trouble with my clock. Do you remember two years ago, so I don't watch the NFL at all. I haven't for now. This will be my fifth year of not wasting 10 seconds of my life watching the NFL. But everybody knew about the ad that ran on the Super Bowl 
2018. Yes. Remember the ad? Yes. And the ad was negative to corn farmers. Okay, it's a beer commercial, negative to corn farmers, and the Iowa corn farmers just went ballistic. And, and Jenny, we can't do this without naming the companies. So uh, Bud Light, I don't even remember. I think it was Bud Light, right, that says Mm -hmm. we use no... um, uh, Corn syrup. what What was the term? Yeah, corn syrup. Corn syrup. That dilly dilly. That was the commercial. And the next day, the next day, I'm not. We're not coming up with the right term for the corn syrup. But yeah, it's the corn syrup. Uh, Anyway, the next day, Coors Light rolls out an ad that we support the Iowa corn farmer. Blah blah blah. And then Bush Light chimes in. I started researching, and I learned that. All of those beer companies are now owned by 3G Capital. And I have a friend who's in charge of, well, he's not really a friend. I met him and I know him and he's an acquaintance and he's a farmer in Iowa, but he's been with the Budweiser Clydesdales for the past 27 years and today stationed out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And I said, hey, what's going on with this ad, which slams, thank you, high fructose corn syrup. Thank you very much, Clint. We were just having a, we're so wound up here today. Anyway. I said, what's up with this ad? He said, I don't even want to tell you. But the marketing people knew that the the positive effects of talking about no high fructose corn syrup would outweigh the farmer getting mad. And then we'll do something to appease the farmer. And we're drinking bush light left and right in farm country. Like you can't, right now. we do not have combines made with, with uh, ads right. on there for bush light. And they planted a negative seed about farming and agriculture. I don't get it. Here's what I also don't get. How quick time flies when Jenny's along. (laughs) That little sign above her head reminds me that that is all about identifying your genetic future. (laughs) Do you know left from right? Neogen's all about looking at the genomics and making sure that we have the alleos present to improve the health, the well-being, and the food safety aspect. And you would not believe the number of people that are getting their dogs tested to see if they originated from the Isles of Scotland or whatever the case may be. Get more details about how you can engage in testing food animals or your pets genetically. The genomics at www.neogen.com. I'm shining a light on your genetic future. Myself, roll out. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Luce alongside Jenny Swaggart, as now I've become very comfortable with Thursday. You've made my life easier. That's what I'm saying. Actually, I had a conversation about an hour long yesterday with someone about that. Oh, really? Somebody else has noticed you made my life easier? Yes. Does she live in Florida? Yes, and she approves. Oh, amazing. She approves? Yes. I wouldn't know. I don't hear from her anymore. She used to be a great radio guest, and she disappeared off into I don't think Arab sand or something. You. <laughs> oh, All whatever. All right, now, I, we can talk about that off air because this is an important topic I want to really dig into. So do you want to pick up with that company? Because we have a lovely question here from Heather Lindbergh. And her question is, so if you don't call them out, what do you think the solution is? Silence doesn't seem like a solution. 
You want me to take a whack at that? Yeah, go. No, I don't think silence is the solution. I think that boycotting and this cancel culture is absolutely not the right solution. An example. So if you go to Starbucks with all of the not using real milk situation that was going on, if you go there now and you ask for real milk and lots of people do that, then they're going to know what the public wants. They're going to want to know what their customers want. Otherwise, how are they going to know what, why it's not appropriate to use non-dairy types of products in their coffees and their products? So my answer would be, I would still continue to support those businesses, but go out and actually communicate just like Trent uh, needs to communicate with someone. And I, 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 I don't agree with support. I agree with voicing your opinion. And I think Heather brings up the topic that we need to address because we can spend a lot of time whining and complaining and yelling about what XYZ Burger Shop does. But unless they hear us, but I don't think you can continue to do business there. You have to find a way to be heard without contributing. The only way they're going to pay attention is if sales drop. It's the only thing they're going to listen to. Now, I happen to think with XYZ Burger Shop, they know they are intentionally misleading and lying to the general public. They used data from a 2008 study of the United Nations that Dr. Frank Mittlerner proved in 2011 was false. The author, Dr. Pierre Gerber, admitted that the, the data was wrong, and yet they used this this week. Mm-hmm. The other thing that tells me they know that they're lying to people is the Im- immediately when I saw the two-minute video, I saw their press release, I sent an email asking to get their sustainability officer on the air. And guess what they have said to me as a media request to reach out to 3 million people and talk about this? I'm going to say no because they've not answered mine either. Yeah, they've said nothing. Silence. It's been total silence. No response. So they know they're misleading. But... I'm going to finish my beer story because it ties into what we're doing here. All right. So have you heard of Kraft and Heinz? Mm-hmm. Do you know how many companies are involved in Kraft? Or excuse me, it's officially Heinz Kraft. It's a lot. It's a lot. people don't Inclu- understand or realize. And I happen to have a graphic that I'm posting up here for the radio audience you can't see. But Heinz and Kraft, if you go to your grocery store, I would like somebody, and maybe you and I should do this. We should go to our grocery store, walk the aisles, and see how many things we can find that go back to Heinz, Kraft, which, by the way, Oscar Mayer is a Kraft company. Uh, walk the aisles, and in addition to those items from Kraft and Heinz, also identify Bud Light. And by the way, these are the top 10 beer sellers of 2019 in order, okay? Bud Light. Coors Light, Michelob Ultra Light, Michelob General Ultra, uh, Miller Light, Modelo Special, Budweiser, Corona Extra, Natural Light, Bush Light, Heineken. Those are the top 10 beer sales. Two of those are owned by uh, Consolidation 
constellation, excuse me, constellation beverages. Okay. Every other beer I named is owned by 3G Capital. 3G Capital also owns Heinz Craft. 3G Capital also owns Burger King, Popeyes, Tim Hortons, and Fridays. You're kind of getting my drift. Jenny, we have so many people that are all upset about big farms and farms have gotten too big and out of control. And people go to the grocery store and contribute to 3G Capital, which, by the way, is a Brazilian outfit that's founded by a Brazilian who, oh, the only two of those beers that are not owned by 3G Capital are the two Corona beers, which 3G sold to Constellation Beverages in 2015. So they have had a hand in every single thing, every food item. They're controlling it. They're just, and, and I haven't even approached the fake meat investments that they have made. And so what I'm trying to do is shed light on the fact that don't be critical of size and scale of farms when you're going right. to the grocery store and contributing to consolidation in the food business. 3G Capital right. is not your friend. Why, why do you think? So being silent is not the answer. I agree. No, it's not. But how else, if I go to XYZ coffee shop and I ask for whole milk, which that was never, mm-hmm. that's a whole other issue. That was never true about them removing their whole milk um, and they have the whole milk, then I feel obligated to purchase the product. Now, if they tell me they don't have whole milk, then I would politely say, just like I do when I'm in California and all I can find is organic food, I will politely ask for, okay, what's on your menu that is non-organic? I'm totally pro-choice, but that is how my husband and I feel about our choices and the choices for our kids. We are pro-non-organic. Well, as far as what we choose to eat. Now there's exceptions to that because there's companies like Lindbergh. If it was cheaper, would you buy it? No, I wouldn't. Really? I don't know because, um, coming from a research world, (laughs) growing up in the research world, my mom is a molecular geneticist of corn and knowing that side of things and knowing the chemicals and how progressive (laughs) <laughs> I like that, Heather. Um, so Heather just said, drink Yuling. So let me, so I don't digress completely. Yingling. Um, Yingling. Oh, I don't say The anything. oldest brewery in the United States. I, I, yeah, I know, I know oh, the chemicals that, I, I shouldn't say I know the chemicals because I really don't anymore. Um, but I know what they used to be and how dangerous they used to be compared to what they are today. And I know that the intention has always been to make things safer. So that's really the reason that I choose non-organic. The exceptions would be families or companies where I've gone and I've actually gotten to know them, like the Lindbergh company out in California. They grow rice. We love their rice. They have several different varieties that we use in jambalaya and all kinds of different dishes. So that would be an exception to that that rule that we have here. Uh, when would I come over for that jambalaya? Would that be crawfish etouffee along with some shrimp jambalaya? Or when, when would I be Usually there? that's with the catfish. 
try, but we didn't invite oh. you to. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Well, at least you're just straight up about it. Uh, I, I, you, you said something that I think is huge, and in one minute I have to go to a break. The Lindbergh family you trust because you met them. And actually, it comes no. back to relationships, doesn't it? Oh, it so does. So does. Um, Anjanette Shadley, she works out in California. She's a great friend. Um, and it's not even that I've actually met Lindbergh's. I mean, we've communicated through her and I trust mm-hmm. her and she's shared all sorts of things about their farm to me. So yeah, I, there's relationship trust there. And that's what I don't understand. I, there we're out of time for me to go into that, but I I really feel like we are doing as a community, we are all doing this backwards. We that's where we'll pick it up when we come okay. back. Janice Weigert is gonna hold her thoughts and think about how to turn this around so it's not Hopefully. backwards. We are in the middle of artificial insemination season here at our place, breeding our cows to those Piedmontese bulls with Lone Creek Cattle Company. It's quite frankly my favorite time in the beef business, lutilizing, synchronizing, AIing cows, and then nine months later. Turns out we'll have a calf started by a Piedmontese bull, which will qualify for the certified Piedmontese program. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing, and I strongly suggested about 20,000 strong each year, not at our place, across the board. Details from Marlon Will at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Jenny Swagger and I will be back and continue to figure out how to turn this around after this. Welcome back to Roll Route, Trent Luce, and to the second segment as we continue to bridge the gap between food producers and food consumers. Jenny trying to give me a, actually she was wearing a spur during the break and was trying to spur <laughs> a rib. What am I not going to like? we got to turn this around. We're doing it backwards. What's the right okay, way? Okay, so here I live in central Illinois. Um, the closest store to me is XYW. And so I do choose to shop there. I have not been able to go in the store very much because of COVID. And I have desperately missed, there's three ladies who I have connected with. One is from um, Poland. One is from Australia. um, And I can't remember the other, but for the three of those individuals to come to central Illinois and live the dream, the American dream. We've talked all about all kinds of things and I've gotten to know them. And so, you know, once I am able to go back in the grocery store, I go there so I can go to their checkout line line and talk with them. So I've built a relationship with them. Now, I mean, that's the closest store that we have. We have a small town grocery store in our town but they don't have all of the products that we need. So I shop at that big store because I need the products that are no longer available because we have gone to this system of supporting large corporations in the food system. But I also go there because I want to see these gals and talk with them and see how they're doing. So there are relationships there. And I mean, the same thing with, you know, Starbucks, 
there's a gal there that, you know, I've gotten to know too, or I had, I've really missed those interactions and being able to go out and talk with people like that. Um, and maybe I'm just an overly friendly person. I don't know, but there's nobody in that local grocery store that you like. Oh, I love, I love the owner. I've known her 20 years. But there's products that she cannot, they just don't sell anymore because it, there's no, they're not, there's no profit margin. Can I have so an example? An, um, they do not have like laundry detergent. They do not have, um, trying to think her dad, when I had gone in there one time and I was looking for something and her dad was like, you know, my grocery side of the business is pretty much done for, but they really concentrate on selling meat and cheeses and local farm products. Um, so there's, there's. So eight. those are local meat suppliers in there? Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Like the, oh, cool. the, the turkey farmer that's two miles down the road. Um, you can, they have awesome, oh my gosh, awesome turkey, bacon, cheddar burgers, and you can get them there. So I wouldn't go to the big box store to get that because I don't know that that is what I'm getting. But my whole point here is that, yes, relationships are important, but we have to remember that because of society and where we have gotten ourselves, those relationships have now become important with those big stores. I don't disagree with that. I just... I cannot personally contribute to a company that now controls 33% of all retail grocery sales. And then they start to tell the farmer what sustainability is when at every turn they've rejected sustainability and allowing the farmer to determine true sustainability. That's my but problem. They also employ over 400 people in our local area. Yeah, and, and well, we could just move into that discussion. How many businesses did they take out? You've oh. already told me your local oh, grocery store can't do what they want to do. No, I mean, we we have two other grocery stores in a town of 34. This is like the biggest city to us. In a city of 34,000 people, there are three establishments that you can purchase groceries at. <clears throat> One is really? very, very limited. Oh, yeah. 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 You go, that's, you go. See, that's troubling, isn't it? It is. I mean, you go north to Morton. There's only two. And one is Wally so, World. I, I live in Sherman County, Nebraska. Population, I think we're roughly 3,000 people in the whole county. And until six months ago when we had a railroad shut down, I could go 14 miles south to a small independently owned grocery store. I can still go 12 miles east to a small independent grocery store. Mm -hmm. I can go 12 miles north to a small independent. All of those do a fantastic job. Or I can go 30 miles to Kearney to the big shopping area with all of those big name stores that you're talking about. So you're telling me that I don't realize how fortunate I truly am. We do not have that here. So Sean Tyson and a large group from Southern Logan County, Illinois, they have mm -hmm. just opened um, a 
it's kind of like a farmer's market in a grocery store that's open nine to five every day, or I don't know that that's the correct hours, but um, Market on the Hill in Mount Pulaski. And that is servicing Southern Logan County so that they don't all have to drive to Lincoln, Illinois, where there's only one store left. No, two stores. I'm sorry. There's two stores. There's a small town IGA, which um, I have relationships or relations cousins that actually started that store um, that is still there today. But then there's Wally world and those are their only two choices. Kroger is gone. So I don't know what the answer is here. Um, We've, we've, we've really shot ourselves in the foot. Um, I, I am very, I think what Sean and that group down there has done is admirable. It's been a lot of work in Scott County, Illinois, there's also a grocery store called Great Scott, and they've done the exact same thing. <laughs> and That's the, clever. Yes, it is. Uh, the whole um, like way that it's set up is they have sold shares to people. So it's a co-op. Oh. It is a co-op. So they've sold shares. But to really get this thing going, is a, there was a grant. And that grant, that same type of grant, also helped the store in Scott County, and it's also helping a store get started in South Peoria. South Peoria, Illinois, is a horrible food desert. I can't remember. It's been years and years and years since their last little grocery store um, closed up. So even in urban areas, it's, it's a problem. So what you have out there is totally different mm-hmm. from what we have here. And, and you see my frustration. I, I want to be very clear on my frustration. It's the fact that the same people who have contributed to those mom and pa stores not being in towns anymore are the first ones to line up and talk about consolidation at the farm level. That's very hypocritical. Yes. Yes. And, and so I'm trying to find a way to connect the dots, but you've intrigued me in wondering if the co-op grocery avenue is a viable one for the future. If people had ownership in their local store, they would care about more about shopping there. Mm-hmm. And they, so we have good friends that are one of the melt suppliers for the store. And what they had sent there for the opening week, for the opening day on Saturday, they took everything on Monday. It was gone in two days. And there was a competing, wow. a large competing milk co-op in the area whose milk was still there. Nobody wanted Prairie Farms anymore. (laughs) I'm not going to say that because (laughs) I can't say that. Um, You know, that's that's who has, you know, supported our farm. That's where we used to send our milk. Um, So I'm not going to bash that at all. But I did find that very interesting that, Little brown cow dairy. Well, all of a sudden, they had to rush and get milk there, but it wasn't a big awesome. deal. It was. It could be done in a day. It wasn't like it, you had to fill out all these forms and put in a ticket and wait for the ticket to be answered and then define logistics to ship the product there. There's relationships, and those relationships get relationships. the products. Yes. Are we? We're cable thurlow. Bring, brings up a question, and I got a minute and a half, just so you know. 
Okay. Uh, do you think that this COVID crisis is favoring larger corporations? I am concerned that one hiccup in the larger processor causes such a huge shortage in our food supply. And also, I don't like that the majority of our food is controlled by a small number of people. I echo the sentiment about a small number of people. 3G Capital Group controls everything you put in your mouth. Unless you go work it going around it, go to Little Brown Cow. All right, Jenny, what do you think? So what I first, as soon as COVID started happening, and then there was all the talk about food shortages, I started getting phone calls. Hey, where can I find beef? Do you still have beef? Do you have any lamb that you can sell us? Do you know a vegetable producer? And I know all of those people. So I started connecting all of those people. And then that led to starting the Facebook group, Shop Illinois Farms. So, no, I do not think it's favoring large corporations. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to say, remember that the products that are being sold in the big box stores, those are grown by farmers. So you're still supporting farmers. And I know you're going to disagree with that on some level. But oh, I don't disagree that it's still grown people, by farmers. Those are still families and people who have to sell their product. And that was one mm -hmm. of the reasons we started the group also, because we have friends here. We're in pig country. We had friends who have tens of thousands of hogs that they raise a year who had nowhere to take their products because the large corporation packers were shut down. So we were helping them connect them to smaller farmers like ourselves who could then feed out, you know, a handful of pigs, which we are doing. But I, I, I have to continue to say no, we don't have we don't need to bash the large corporations because that is hurting part of our farmers and ranchers if we do support the bashing of large corporations. Again, I don't I know the answer, that. but yeah, that's the reality. I, I agree. Of it. We we should applaud the food system that we have put in place that makes an available supply of healthy, wholesome food at the lowest cost of any consumer in the world. Uh, but I don't believe long-term that we're, COVID is going to expand smaller production. I think it will favor the larger producers because on the other side of this, people are going to go back to convenience as the main driver. You can respond to that, Jenny Swagger, when we return with the final segment of Roll Route. Normally, this is where I would get on her about not watching the stand at Paxton County. Can't do that anymore because no. she's she's done it. She's, she's promoted it. And it shares what the animal... Yeah, it's you, it's you have it's a must see on Netflix. You have got to go out there and see it because it's not your general ag movie. It it's got entertainment. It's got deep characters. Um, I mean, it it is a good movie, and that I mean that's it's not what she say. said. It's how she said it. The Stand at Paxton County on Netflix. We'll be back with the final segment of Roll Route right after this. Welcome back to Roll Route, Trent Luce alongside Jenny Swigert. It is a Thursday where life has suddenly become no longer a roller coaster, just a steady stream. Thanks a to Jenny Swigert stream. from Illinois. <laughs> steady stream. Good conversation keeps coming without me working at finding a way to make it happen. Uh, Cable wants to clarify. He was not bashing. Cable is a dude, right? Yeah, Cable's a guy name, right, Cable? Uh, not bashing, uh, just asking. 
And I think that the food system has changed, and I think that it's a short-term thing that people are calling farmers for food. I think it's still going to be 5% buy from people they know, 95% buy at that super center because it's two cents cheaper. That's what I think long-term. Um, I just want to add also, Cable, that continue to ask those questions. There's so many people who are scared to ask those questions because of cancel culture, and those are the questions that need to be asked. So no judgment about bashing in any way sort or form. Um, I don't know yeah. if I agree with that. I think it depends on whether you're living in an urban area or you're living in a rural area because I have lots of family members who are in urban areas that, well, just like, you know, my grandparents, they're in a Northwest suburb of Chicago and they go to one specific jewel because those folks know them. It's relationships again. Um, It's not necessarily price. At their age, they need help. And there's people there that are compassionate, that know them, that have known them for years. Um, And I think there's a lot more of that that happens in urban areas than what those of us in rural areas realize. So I don't, I I really, I don't, I'm not going to change to save two cents. Right. Uh, I'm also going to add that I'm not totally just uh, poo-pooing the whole idea. I think it falls back on me as uh, we sell direct retail USDA inspected pork. That's what we do. We sell our beef through the certified Piedmontese system. We sell our pork direct. I think the opportunity is there more so than it ever was, but they're not going to continue to seek me. I have to find ways to fill into that food channel where it best fits myself. And each one of us that are interested in selling, here's the real deal, Jenny. If you're interested in selling your production one piece at a time, there is an opportunity if you want to make it work. Very few farmers are geared to selling everything, either one animal or one piece at a time. So they, they load up 180 market hogs on a trailer and they send them to Monmouth, Illinois, because that's just conducive to what they do. That, to me, is going to be the, where it all kind of rubber hits the road again when you just get tired of selling every animal one at a time. Well, and it's, it's you know, we're waiting to hear from somebody right now on, you know, a few lambs. And so I'm wasting time trying to connect with them so that they can come and pick up the lambs. And um, in the meantime, I could have taken them to a sale barn already. Um it's a lot of work, and I don't think that the average person understands what it actually takes if you want to function in the small farm world. It's, And I'm not saying that it's not hard work for large scale either. It is. But when it comes to marketing those products, and I, when I say marketing, I don't just necessarily mean like advertising. I mean like selling mm-hmm. um you know, going to a packer is a lot easier. Absolutely. All right. We should oh, have had Heather, Heather join us. Heather, Heather, Heather. Yes, yeah. you're going to have to come nice on here because I was Heather. just about to go into that. I, um, this is a topic Trent won't talk about with me. Um, I, w- I will. I'm on it. You I'm will? ready. Go. Okay. Absolutely. I, I, so Heather's question for the radio listeners is what do you think checkoff's role is in this or has checkoff role run its course and we need something different? Checkoff has 
in my opinion, it depends on the, you know, there's, there's the beef checkoff, there's the pork checkoff, dairy, poultry, whatnot. Um, it's, it's unnecessary in, I shouldn't say unnecessary. It is ridiculous in the beef world. The pork folks, they're doing pretty good, but in beef, from my perspective, and I'm not a large beef provider, so I don't have that experience. But from what my observations are and talking with people, to me, it's a mafia. Why do you think it's any different in pork? Um, it goes to relationships. Oh, um, no! we always come back national, to that one word. <laughs> national pork. So I know the folks at National Pork pretty well, and I respect them. Right. And I think what they've done, um, they've really thought outside the box, and they've concentrated more on actually getting the word out about pork, whereas it seems like beef is so entangled with all of the politics within the different organizations that could or could not be getting money from that checkoff dollars. And I have asked at least a dozen people and I can never get a straight story. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to talk. Nobody wants to talk. I mean, I get it. The, the buyers are sometimes incognito and, you know, you can't show your cards. I get all of that. But when it comes to the checkoff, it seems like so much time is spent arguing and fighting and trying to find out where that money's really going, where pork is like, here, this is what we're doing. We're going to do this. This is the campaign. And they've got some rock star campaigns that they've done over the years. So that's why I think, you know, pork Not is Not good really, enough. No, you don't think Nin so? 19, 1975 per capita consumption of pork in the United States was 50 pounds. In 2020, per capita consumption of pork in the United States is 50 pounds. To your point, though, in 1975, per capita consumption of beef was over 80 pounds. And today they struggle in staying ahead of pork at about 58 pounds per person. If you, and mm -hmm. I have every economist to line up and tell me you can't talk about per capita and really talk and, and address the issue of demand. I understand all that, but if we don't have people eating more of the product that we produce and not understanding how these animals are part of a healthy planet and a healthy human body, we're missing the point and we will lose. And in fact, that's what brought you and I together was Dr. Damian McLaughlin on this program a month and a half ago now said that beef is going to go away. And that got my attention. He said it's going to go away because we can't explain how important beef is to the consumer. But to Heather's question, I think the checkoff program has reached its time to expire. Yeah. We should just retire it. But my reason is one very specific one that concerns me to no end. It has been proven in the Supreme Court that beef checkoff and the marketing of that money is government speech. Did you know, I know that Jenny knows, but a lot of, and Heather knows, but a lot of people don't know, before somebody in a, a, a pork checkoff campaign can say that this is bacon and bacon comes from a pig it has to be approved by the usda every single message has to be approved by the usda i'm not comfortable in the 2020 and beyond political climate that the usda has to approve every single marketing message that my checkoff dollar my marketing dollar is supposed to go for research development and promotion 
I think it's a dangerous place, and I think that we need to get out of government speech as part of the checkoff dollar. We absolutely do. This isn't necessarily a checkoff example, but when I was looking into some of the milk marketing um, between, like, you know, soy milk being called milk, um, did you know that the law was passed and signed, I believe, by Trump, it could have been Obama because it was right around 2016. It's against the law to say soy milk or pea milk or almond milk. That is not that there's a law in place. But because the FDA, the head of the FDA has chose not to enforce that, that's why it's not being enforced. So I kept digging. It goes way beyond the FDA. There are so many agencies that are operating as their own organization, as their own government. I, I really, even through this COVID process, I am more convinced we need less government. Yeah, I'm with you. I do want to challenge you in one thing before I run out of time, and I have two minutes. You said that the beef business appears to be a mafia, and I think you're talking about the likes of JBS Swift, Tyson, Smithfield, right? Yeah, I think it goes deeper than that, though. But who are the three largest pork packers in the United States? I believe those same companies, right? It's J- JBS is one of them, right? It's yeah, in a few JBS. I looked. Tyson. Smith consumed all of the Cargill plants, which you had a couple close to you. But to my point is this, you can't be critical of the packing structure on the beef side without being same criticalness on the pork side because it's the same companies. Right. And foreign. And other than Tyson, foreign owned. Right. Tyson's U.S. Everybody else is foreign owned. But the difference in the pork business, and this is why we should really applaud in the last five years, we've had significant growth and that growth in the meat pack and the pork packing sector has been from farm families like the Freckings and New Fashion Pork cooperating with Seaboard Farms, like the Cooper family in Ohio cooperating with uh, Hatfield Meats in Michigan. So we've had a lot of growth of family operations controlling and being price makers instead of price takers. And I think that's the big difference between pork and beef. We haven't seen that in beef. It's a bigger, riskier deal. All right, Jenny, I've been talking too much. You get the last minute to profoundly take us home. I think that where we started is, and this is really my my biggest aggravation with what has happened this week, is we need to stop and think before we react and realize that in most cases, and I didn't know about the beer situation, we're being manipulated. You are allowing companies to manipulate you when you are responding like that. Everybody just needs to stop, take a breath, take a step back and realize what is really happening because it's not about the stupid commercial. There's so much more involved and you're just letting them play you like a guitar. 40% of global beer sales come back to one company. 3G Capital. If you're drinking Coors, Budweiser, Miller, Molson, you name it, 
you're contributing to Burger King's bottom line. I'm just telling you. Thank you, Danny Swaggart. Always a pleasure. Thursday just doesn't come soon enough. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. Both Jenny and myself remind you that all roads do lead to a rollout. Remember, certified Piedmontese, the opportunity for you, the farmer, to capture more of the consumer's food dollar. Thanks to Neogen and the Igenity test, we know that the myostatin gene is present, and that's responsible for tenderness. The consumer wins. The producer wins. Lone Creek Cattle Company, it's a win-win-win for everybody in the beef system. LoneCreekCattleCode.com. Call Marlon Will today and say, what's this $300 premium trend talking about? 